Hello and welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions, so make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level to interact with us. We love seeing you every Thursday night on Facebook or YouTube land. Uh, the live streams are always fun. We have a lot of interaction. Like you guys are showing up early for the chats now, which is great because we're like, you've got like the whole like mixing room before that. But anyway, it's great to see you on there. Remember your chats may show up on the show. So keep that in mind. And as always, if you can't catch us live, always check us out in the replay or on your favorite podcasting app. You know me, my name is John Rearock, past master of the Patriot Lodge, number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. Joe, how you doing? Wow, you just threw me off. I'm never... Joe! Gonna... Hello! Joe well, Martinez! What is your What is your uh, subtext say there? Four two more weeks. years? Two more weeks? Four more years. Two more weeks. Oh, is, right. We just, all we got to do is show up now, and we're gravy. But yeah, Joe Martinez, Worshipful Master, Manassas Lodge, number 182, and a uh, member of a whole bunch of other things. And uh, as always... Suncard, I hate you. Everybody who's commenting on another year, uh, you are not getting a Christmas card this year. So, <laughs> FYI, keep it up. All righty. Yeah. All right. Jason Richards, how you doing? I'm good. I am personally excited that in two weeks, we get the privilege to elect Joe to a third term. Yay. It'll be great. And where's the ban from studio button? <laughs> All right, then. Next oh, yeah. Up. Past master of Acacia Lodge. Yeah. It doesn't feel good to say past master. It really does. It does. Like It's, it's like little... a weight off of my shoulders. It does. <laughs> you know who else is a past master? RJ. How's it going, RJ? <laughs> RJ from WCY. Arge. Yeah, it's me, Arge. Uh, oh, no. He's not going to be a past master for long. Yeah, so past master of Waukegan Lodge 78, current sitting secretary over there, and uh, current sitting secretary at Space Novum. However, I am the master elect for 2024. So we'll have a good education program, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. So good to be with you guys. Excited about tonight's show. Looking forward to learning. How are you going to be secretary and master at the same time? Well, guess, guess what? Uh, so you know how, like... You know how like we have there's like bros and then there's like r like super brothers mm -hmm. like the guys that you talk to every day. Yeah, so Scott Duball was like I'll do secretary. Oh. I was like, nice? "Man, you're like one of the only people that I feel I could like hand it to." So, there's like Aww. taking a bullet for someone, falling on a sword, or being that guy's secretary. So, yeah. that's that's, that's, like, that's, not, a, that's not a bullet, man. That is like a M1 tank round. That is not a bullet. That's <laughs> yeah. it's like you're getting annihilated. So, All right. yeah, I owe Scott. Love. But anyway. And last but not Scott. least, our special guest for tonight, that is brother El Marhum, who also is a member of the Patriot Lodge number 1957. What else? Hey, what else do you do? What I do? Uh, actually, I cannot call myself a past master. I'm an upcoming master. All right. Yay! Yay! If all goes well, well don't jinx it. Yep. Not gonna do it. Take it over the hat. So, uh, yep. Uh, and also a member of Ashwin Thirty Two Eighty Eight, my home, my mother lodge, Ashwin Thirty Two Eighty Eight. So thank you guys for having me tonight. All right. Well, great. It's great having you. 
So let's get right to business. I want to give a special shout out to the patrons who support the show. You guys are awesome. As always, we see some new patrons jumping in. Um, new. The, Did you say nude? New patrons. Oh, patrons. Oh, I, said no send, patrons. I said send new patrons. Send news. Okay. Not send okay. news. Yeah, I don't so, want news. So we got I, we have new patrons who've been joining the uh, the chat. Our patrons and, uh, are lovely. They are they are. We very appreciate lovely. you with your clothes on <laughs> and yes. not nude. Yes, uh, that, which that you can now chat with us. Strongly implied. Seven days a week in the Patreon app. Um, you can attach pictures. Uh, we'd rather you're not, but hey, whatever floats your boat. Good stuff. All right, and next up, tarot card of the week. Tarot card of the week. Oh my goodness. So let's talk about uh, what tarot card are we going to pull for Sufism and Freemasonry? Tonight's topic. Oops, I take it away, Jason. <laughs> All right. So we have. Let's bring this over. There we there go. We go. Come on, we've been using this streaming platform for over a year now. Amateur hour. Yeah. So tonight we have the um, dirt on the altar cloth. Uh, we have the antique anatomy tarot. And, uh, you know, really interesting, really pretty deck um, focused on kind of old time vintage medicine. And so tonight, we're going to discuss Apothecaries. The Hierophant. That's quite a good card for this episode. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Mm. So it's, what, what is it in this thing? We got a whole bunch of like, like a femur bone with some other smaller bones and some. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. So what we have is, yep, it's, it's essentially, it's, it's a cross type of structure made with um it's like a cross of lorraine in bone yeah yep I dig it with uh with some black currants nice okay yeah i'm digging it yeah, there, there we, go. we go so yeah so the the hierophant uh surprisingly is a card of religion mm -hmm. tradition so, yeah. yes a uh, group conformity um structure tradition so that's yeah, that's that's a apropos card for Sufism. The way they did that card is really sweet, actually, because uh, like if you look at a, a Rider weight, uh, a Rider, uh, I should say, a Smith weight deck, really. Uh, so if you look at a Smith weight deck, or pretty much anybody who takes that iconography, the similar, uh, that is the top of the Hierophant staff. Exactly. So I thought that's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. Good call. Good call. So consider all the awesome religious aspects of this as we go along for tonight's episode, which is on Sufism and Freemasonry, unveiling the mystical connection. So uh, no surprise. It's great to have uh, Brother Mitty on. Uh, we've uh, gone in very similar Masonic circles and, you know, I'll say it. He's in the get it club too. He likes to talk about uh, spiritual things as well. And it's great to have his perspective to talk about Sufism because uh, can I say you're a practicing like Sufi? Yeah. So before we get into all that, what is Sufism and uh, 
let, let's set the stage there and then just go deep down the rabbit hole after that. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so uh, the word Sufism, and uh, before like what is Sufism from a mystic perspective, in Arabic, the word Sufism is Sophia. We've Ooh. heard, we know what the Sophia is. I've heard is that word before. Greek word, right? It means wisdom. Mm -hmm. But that word, the Greek word actually came from Gnosticisms. Um, it came from um, a feminine figure, which is the human soul, uh, the feminine side, the feminine aspect of the human soul, God. If you look at the Nag Hammadi text, which are the first Christians between the first century Christians, and you look at that, uh, which is, you know, the Gnosticism come from, Sophia is the lowest aeon, which is the female, tw the female twin of the divine aeon. And it's the emanation of light of God. It's literally, it's the, it's the anthropic expression of the animation of the, of the light of God. Um, it's like what we call enlightenment, like the enlightenment paths, right? And, and the divine feminine, it sounds like too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what it means. So in enlightenment path in Arabic, it's called Noraniya, which is enlightenment, which comes from lights. So something that derives from lights. So, so Sophia, the Arabic word means people that are wearing these who were wolves because Sufism, they were very known to wear wool. And that's what Sophia is. So, Sofa it, in Arabic means wool. But Sophia, it's if you look at I've been searching this word because I'm not buying that it's just came from um, like the people wearing the wool because. Before Sufism, there were other people that were practicing enlightenment, right? So we talk about sure. Christian mysticisms, which is the Gnosticisms. We talked about Kabbalah from a Jew perspective. We are talking about the uh, Hermetics. We talked about, and even like if you look at historic, like um, the Jewish teachings, the first Kabbalist was Prophet Abraham, right? That's why they teach. So uh, the teacher of the first was Prophet Ibrahim, which is uh, back then Prophet Ibrahim did not have the Torah. He had the scrolls of Ibrahim. So there was no enlightenment through using it because the Torah, so it was a different type of enlightenment path. So the enlightenment path is all over. We've been through the whole Abrahamic religions in every single one of them. And Sufism is just another enlightenment path that takes you to the enlightened stage, but using Islam and using Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, as the guide and interest of the gates to meet God. So Sufism is an enlightened path. It's a soul, it's feeding soul. And a lot of people, they don't like, okay, what is enlightenment? The soul, it's, it's, can be fed also as you feed your body. And you, there's something that needs to feed the body. And Sufism, it's how, as a Muslim, you feed your soul with the dhikr, which is the recitations of the Quran and the repetition of so many prayers in the name of God and invoking the deity to its presence so that it cleanses, which is also from, we just did the Torah, uh, it's just an energy cleansing perspective. So there's a lot of energy there from that perspective. So Sufism, you can, it's like philosophy. You ask anybody what philosophy is, it gives you different answers, right? Same concept of Sufism. You ask anybody, it's going to give you, I can be talking just about what Sufism is for hours, but 
you can see how it's related to so many other Abrahamic religions and how it touches different aspects. Well, I like, yeah. And, and thanks brother Matty. I love that you, you started with, you defined it by talking about the similarities to it and, and you're absolutely right. So, you know, and, and I'm sure you're going to get into the history of it as well, but all those other Abrahamic faiths that had their enlightenment past, they all started kind of in the same way, right? They started as ascetics, right? Um, whether it was the early Sufis or the early Christian Gnostics. Um, yeah, they were out in the wilderness just learning stuff from the world, right? And um, they all had similar pathways. And I find that super interesting that, you know, each of the each of the major Abrahamic faith religions have that subset, right? Because not everybody who's Muslim is a practicing Sufist, right? Same thing with the wide world of Christianity, uh, there's only a small number that actually practice Christian mysticism, let's call it. And same thing right. with, with our Hebrew brothers and sisters, you know, there's only a small amount that practice Kabbalah or other mystic faith. So I, I like that you started it off by bringing it into a realm of, Oh, cool. I get it because that speaks to me or that speaks to me, but it's, you're basically walking the same path. Exactly. Going all the way back to Moses when he was getting high off of that burning acacia plant. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> anyway, as you were saying. <laughs> so you've laid the terms. How did you um, get uh, get involved, uh, Brother Mehdi? Uh, my experience is different. Um, I uh, Sufism, Morocco, I'm originally from Morocco. Uh, Morocco is my home country. Sufism is very dominant in Morocco. Um, it's, uh, we are one of the largest shrines um, in all over the world from, from not only Sufism, it's also or Islam. We also have Jewish shrines as well in Morocco um, because we do have a, uh, one of the largest Jewish population. Um, we so Sufism, how again evolved this was always part of the culture. It's part of Moroccan culture. It's embedded in our culture. Um, I have history from family history into it. I don't want to get into it in detail to it, but I do have family history to it. But I, as I've been searching for my soul, and my soul has been searching my soul for so long, I just everything took me back to Sufism. And before I became Sufi, like I went back to practicing against Sufism until I became a Freemason. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is like just another science. Like I need to go back to Sufism. <laughs> it's funny, like I like teachings of Freemasonry. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a that is so funny. I will say, and, and I'm probably going to share a common experience here that Freemasonry uh, to to steal RJ's words is like is like the outer porch, and and then you're like, oh, I didn't realize there was this, this other cool stuff behind the door, and then that actually brought me back closer to my faith after Freemasonry. Yeah. And so it's just, it's such, it's such syn synchronicity to see a lot of that common pattern where guys join the fraternity and they, they like start seeing some other stuff they weren't exposed to and then go deeper down their own personal rabbit holes. And, it, and I think it's just fantastic. So, well, it's it, not, and not to get into a segue here, but it, it's funny while I was, while I was researching for tonight, I was, uh, you know, went to John's favorite place, Chad GPT. And I said, describe the commonalities between Sufism and Masonry. And you know what our friend Chad GPT said? He said, there are none. Sufism is a mystical religious path. And this is what Chad GPT said. Freemasonry is a fraternal organization that, you know, does boring crap. So 
can we just admit that at its core, ChatGPT is very exoteric? Yes. But I found it super interesting, right? Because the first thing that it spit out was Freemasonry has nothing to do with spirituality. It's just a fraternal organization where you join and spend money and get a dues card and wear lapel pins and boring crap like that. And I was like, oh, Chad GPT. You I don't think most of, the, most of the members of our lodges outside of maybe RJ's would yeah. cheer. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, agree. Yeah. Well, I, think, I don't think Chad GPT went to a Scottish ride and got 25th degree. Oh, <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> something that's missing there so there's a lot of us but, but that's a that's it's a good question there because as a freemason a muslim and sufism walking in so what brought me back to sufism so let me just start, answer that question if you get sure. it mind, which is the concept of why sufism says on pancakes well we will answer that question when we get to it. <laughs> Only ones that, that are light. So, Sufism, the first concept of the three degrees, like mm -hmm. and the three degrees in Freemasonry, we have the three initiation, the photographs and the master mason. And even the concept of it, it says initiation, you're stepping in telegraph your fellowship and then you have mastering at the end which are the master that in islam itself as a religion has three states the first stage is called islam this means you profess your faith but that profession is not by saying there's no god except god and muhammad is prophet by his new mouth but actually you're supposed to say it by your heart so saying by your heart means you have to really believe into it so how many of us in this call believe that you're not worried about a meeting is going to happen next week or your wife, something's going to happen where you have submitted 100% your will to God. You said, there's no God except God. So I have submitted everything to God. It's the full submission I've well done. It's very hard for you to do. It's the hardest thing to do, which is the first initiation where you submit yourself. And that is done by purification of the heart. And I, I want to go back to that, talk about the purification part, because that is the most tenant, the first, which is the first tenant uh, as we get in the booklets in Freemasonry, which is brotherly love, you know, that purification of brotherly love, which is also the first station in, in, in Masonic lodges, which is, if you look at it, it's called beauty, the purification of heart. Uh, the second step, then after you get to that level where you are fully submitted, that you have fully submitted your will. That means you don't worry about anything. You leave it to God and God will take care of it. Then you go to the, go ahead. Andy, I've got a quick question. Go ahead. So how do you, how do you keep from becoming like fatalistic and or complacent? Because I could see, I could see a natural part of the thought process on fully submitting to God as being, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So screw it. It's I'm not done. Because in, in Islam, the teachings also teach you that Al-Amal-Ibadah means working. So working for the good of humanity is part of a prayer. That's part of a ritual. Uh, there's a very famous story where uh, this gentleman was sitting all day long in a mosque 
praying all day long in the mosque. The Prophet, peace be upon him, came in. He was like, who's that man? He was like, well, this is gentleman, so-and-so. He prays all day, all day long. How is he fed? Well, his dad, his brother, is the one that works for him, and he feeds him. And he goes, does his brother pray too? Yeah, he prays his five-day prayers, but he cannot be as hit as his brother because the one has to work. He said the working brother is a better Muslim than the one that's praying all day long. So the concept of giving back to humanity is part of the teachings. But the submit of the will, that means you should not be worried about what's going to happen. You should not be trying to fight your destiny. You should let your destiny work and work that destiny life. But you should be working on yourself. You should be working on, on, on the whole concept of helping humanities. But at the same time, you should not try to worry too much about deriving or changing or trying to work because we get so trapped into the superfluities of life that we forget about the, the divine soul and, and the whole destiny. Um, to answer another question, because we can get deep into that so esoterically, and Al-Mu'minu, like it is the Quran that says, who believes in God, its prophets, its books. Oh, God, uh, his angels, his books, his prophet, uh, the, the day of the judgments, and then destiny, good and bad of it, whatever it comes up. Because the good can be good for you. Even the bad. You don't know how good this can be. Sometimes you feel it's a bad thing, but at the end, it's end up to be a good thing. So that submission makes you, the whole concept makes you a very divine where you can be at peace. And your heart is at peace. Because life is all about what? Your soul versus your heart. And yeah. that's what it is. The soul is a divine thing that God has blown inside. It's the, that's, it's the part of God. The heart is our desires to be. So it's almost the the intuition versus the emotion. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to and and many, I mean, chime in if you disagree. I mean, it's it's. I mean, that's literally what the word Islam means, right? It means submission or surrender, right? But to to your point, Jason, it's not. You know, when you speak to a, a practicing Muslim, um, it's not like the guy in the mosque who's just laying there praying and doing absolutely nothing. You're, you're surrendering to the will of deity, right? To the things that he's already laid out that make you a better person and make the world a better place. Not just laying there pooping yourself and doing nothing, you know? Um, you know, that's not, not that kind of surrender. It's like giving into the, giving into the current or the river, you know, it's like, I'm going to get there, but I'm letting him take me there. Well, it's, it's another, it's another, Oh, sorry, RJ. No, go ahead. It's it's another parallel that I draw across, like Jewish mysticism, uh, Sufi mysticism, and Christian mysticism. The idea that the focus is on the betterment of mankind, and so like you are purifying yourself, but at the same time you are working to <clears throat> love and make the world a better place, and that's like that is like the number one thing that that i have loved about my journey into mysticism so jason uh i'm sorry rj i'll pass it to you but that's the second step you cannot start working on a relationship with others until you work on yourself first so right. i'll get to that yes. I'll, I'll come i'll come back to that because I'll, that's the second step in islam but i'll come back to that after straight man, Jason, well, yeah. i read ahead 
Exactly. RJ, please go ahead. Uh, sure, sure. So this is really interesting because I guess my question probably leads right into your talk about the second step. Um, so at the height of, I don't know how to say this. Uh, I just, we'll just we'll call it the way it is. Okay. So at a point a few years ago during an election, <clears throat> there was a heightened sense, uh, in my opinion, radicalized uh, right-wing folks who had some uh, not some uh, prejudices that they were really wearing on their sleeves, like even in Congress, right? And so what I found was so interesting in this time, um, I live four blocks from uh, a temple, right? And um, I drive by there several times in a day. Uh, and during that time period, all I can remember actually, because they're always active, uh, there's always like some sort of uh, family thing happening where the public is invited. And so during this time, I just remember there, the, you talked about doing the work and, and to work for others and build relationships. And it was amazing to me to see like in this time when it was arguably less safe to be a Muslim American that they were putting forward their hands and feet to kind of like be the first to reach out. Right. And, and in the, I remember the, the sign they had up, it, they were doing a, uh, they were doing a barbecue. It was like barbecue for, for veterans or something. And I thought I was like, this is just really, it was just so neat to see the, the, that amount of community involvement and not to like say anything bad about, you know, let's say the local churches in my area, but the local churches in my area are usually doing things like, bake sale um or like the rummage sale right um it's not a lot of community outreach which i think um honestly i think the, the muslim community does very very well good point rj it depends on locations i mean i don't want to derive the conversation about sure. about islam and you know like and talk about churches and mosques and because that like we're going to be focusing on what it's it depends like there are goods and bads everywhere i uh when i came to united states 24 years ago that's been a long time um uh been a long time for us too many yeah <laughs> i've only known you for a year it's it's felt like <laughs> centuries john's been knowing me for longer than that and joe as well so, <laughs> so 24 years ago um the uh I was gonna say I was exposed to different religions. I came, I came from Morocco where I was only new. Um, I had uh, Jewish cousins, like their family friends. They were cousins to me, played with them my whole life. Um, and Christians, they were in school with me or like around surroundings or things of a kind. And and Islam, the three Abrahamic religions. And I was exposed to my one, my good friend. She was Baha'i. I'm very close friends back now because she was Baha'i. I met one of my best friends he was a weaker uh so i had so much exposure that i had to learn and i was like i was learning this new, i was very fascinated by learning new things and i can tell you there are similarities but 
to focus on Sufism and the, the whole the whole concept, and I want to go back to that. When you submit and you do purification of your heart, which is that's what you work on yourself with prayers and so forth. The next thing that you're going to be doing is what we call being on the level. Sounds familiar. Sounds very familiar, right? Are there a level. bunch of different ones like um, there are in masonry. Like- <laughs> All right. Uh, masonry or masonry? Which one? <laughs> Whatever your brother prefer. All right. Let's talk about this masonry. <laughs> but uh, uh, the iman, which is the second step. So the first step is Islam. The second step is iman. Iman, the prophet, peace be on him, said, you cannot call yourself a you have reached the sublime of Iman unless you love for yourself, your love for your brother, what you love for yourself. So that's where that's a level comes in. Um, as a matter of fact, in Sufism, they call it is trying to break your ego. Like they have, like they they try to break it. That way, this that ego doesn't exist. They call it Mizan. Also, we call it they call it Mizan, which is level. Same concept, the level. Everything has been a level. Um, and so the second step of Iman, it's literally, it's working on yourself with relationships. Because at Dinamanet, the whole, the whole religion is relationships. It's how you treat others, how you work on others, how you build for the future. So that's the second step. You cannot start working on the others if you haven't worked in. You have to work in and out, right? Which is, let's go back to Jason, to your point is how you get that from that. So that's why it's a three-step process. And we go back to three degrees. And, it, and if you look at the three stations, which is beauty, which is represented by the plum, the level, which is uh, strength, which is you strengthening yourself. You're working on strengthening your relationships and you strengthen yourself because you can be very, and then the last one, which is we're going to talk about it. When you get to that purification of heart and you get to that level, you're so well in, as a human being that you get to raised to the sublime degree of Ihsan. As a soul brother here, uh, H-A-N-I-O-J, he talked about three of them, which is what I was going, is Iman, Islam, Iman, Ihsan, that the last Ihsan that is where you are at that level where you pray you walk on a daily basis is like you have eye an eye of god watching you so that is you are so because you're so afraid of you're so squared in your actions that you're so afraid that's to hurt all the feelings to step on those boundaries that you're literally walking like God is watching every single step of your dad. This is just the first steps of Islam. Just FYI, we haven't got to Sufism and enlightenment, which is just Islam itself. So you have the first step, the three steps that makes you to that sublime degree of Ihzan. And which also is based on, also always based in, um, Enlightenment. So when you get to the Ihsan, you get into enlightenment. Because that's what enlightenment is. That's what Sufism is. That's where Sufism gets you. I mean, Sufism is not there. Sufism is the path to walk you to get you there. 
Supreme starts always with what we call a sheikh. Sheikh is your is your master. As a, as anybody needs a master, needs a guide, somebody to guide him. So he guides you because you need somebody that is already there to show you the path. Otherwise, you don't get to the path. So the three steps of uh, of that you can relate to them with Freemasonry heavily. And that's why when we went to Freemasonry and I'm hearing brother-in-law, I'm hearing this, I'm like, wait a minute, this is like one-on-one for me. It's like, this is a sign. I got to go back to square zero, right? It's like something I'm hearing on a daily basis. And the, the journey to the East that we talk about, to that East that we talk is a journey from that perspective and so forth. So that's where... Uh, that's where the, the three steps in that I was referring to from Freemasonry to Islam and Sufism, but also in Sufism itself, it has three steps into it. When you get your enlightenment, there are also three steps. So before I go that, I want to turn it back to you guys, because it seems like John has a question there. I mean, John no, has lots of questions. I have, yeah, I have, John, what's your question, John? So, uh, yeah. yeah, so what is Sufism again? Are you, no, gonna, are is, you going to ask your question yet? No, this is fascinating. Because um, I, I just, I just want to hear more. So, like, let's, yeah, I'm going to turn it back to you because I, I, I just, I want to hear, like, how does one take that extra step? Because, again, it, as we alluded to, not everybody takes the, the more inner path. And, like, what does that process look like? Do, do you find uh, a group I'm going to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Where were you? How where Socratic. Were you, where, where were you made? Where were you first made a mason? In my heart. Yeah. Awesome. Where, were so, you yeah. First, where were you first made a Sufi? In I your win. heart. I win. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta, it's, 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 you don't call in, like, it's kind of like you, you Something's calling you to it. And I'll go back to my, my I said I was studying religion. Uh, when I was studying religion, um, I came in and something was always taking me to that path. I didn't even know what I'm going for. I didn't even know what I'm searching for. When I got to a peace with my soul, I found myself actually, I knew what I was looking for. I was even when I was in Freemasonry and I was learning and the lessons and all the mysticisms, and I'm like, I'm so there's something here I'm missing. But then I found it. It was that my soul is looking for it. It's seeking it, right? So your heart, that soul is want that extra divineness. They want to get the rights. They want to be fed. Your soul wants to be fed. So remember your oath. Delete that audio or beep it later. <laughs> you didn't say I didn't mean before. to flash that up on the screen. But Jason, that thing is like very well written in every single book out there. So uh, I saw yeah. I saw one that I do want to pop up and touch on because there's okay people don't on and, and maybe step outside of Sufism a little bit, but yeah, there's well, definitely I can touch about that one as well intermingling um, there. Sure, Joe, I can touch about that. One. So Knight Templars this is a very good conversation to have with a lot of people. I don't know who just touched that. Knight Templars uh, in in Arabic. In, in, the, in the Muslim world history, Arabic history, Nine Templars, actually half of them were Muslim. They were not uh, all Christians. Um, there are a lot of people that know this in the current Templarism in the United States, uh, which is a Christian-based organization. Nine Templars, where Crusaders came in to, to, to Jerusalem, 
and they fought the Arabs. And I say the Arabs because they fought, they didn't fight the Muslims. They were Muslims, Jews, Christians, everything, right? It was a war. A war does not know religion. You don't know what the person's heart had. You know, the person has a sword. Uh, when they fought it, uh, and then they sit there, they discovered mysticisms. And, and there was a lot of mysticisms there. There are a lot of books that talks about Knight Templars, their relationship to mysticisms. Some of that they, they talk about how they, they, they're the first one that they were trying to fight the Catholic Church and say, I want to go back to the, the original teachings of Christianity. And um, they were the first ones they're going to go back to before Martin Luther. Uh, there's some books talking about it that they've gone to the real teaching before Martin Luther said, you know what, this is not what the Bible says, here's what the Bible says, let's go back to Protestants and go back to those teachings. Um, so, Knight Templars, some of them, they have mysticisms into those teachings, in some of them. There's a lot of mysticisms in Knight Templars. It's not because not all Knight Templars were Christians. Uh, Knight Templars were people that protected the pilgrimage. And let me, I'm going to touch about the pilgrimage. Pilgrimage to Jerusalem, it was also, in, also Muslims, because part of old ages where Muslims used to go to Mecca, these will also stop in Jerusalem. And we talk about what's the important Jerusalem for us uh, before we're of the Aqsa. Before. So pilgrimage is anybody that's going to that area. So there was, it was a protection of people that cannot protect themselves. It was protecting people that cannot uh, provide for themselves. And there were people that have like Sufisms that have given up the life, the super of the life, and focus about that house, like that, the, 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 the afterlife. And that's what they focus on. That's why, and just, just to say the strongest points of a, the strongest moments of a Knight Templar, he's not when he's raising his sword. The strongest one no part when he's kneeing with his sword down, making a prayer. As every time you see a son of a Knight Templar on his knee and going down like this, that's his, his strongest moment because he's close to God. He's praying to God. Right. Because after that, you just have a real divine, divine person fighting for what's right. All right. So, so thanks for lot bringing that together. I, I do want to hear kind of your three steps of Sufism now. Okay. To bring cool. that back. All right. Let's bring that back. So somebody brought that my top four. Thanks for that. Let me go back. So three steps of Sufism. So your sheikh, uh, your Sufist, um, <laughs> Uh, no, James, they were not Moors. Moors were Moroccans, no, Daitamplos. Don't read the comments, focus. Don't read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, sorry. Somebody popped the comment. So uh, let's talk about the three steps. So you have purified your heart. You have broke your level. And you have believed in your sheikh. And most sheikhs in everything tariqa. And you have to have a sheikh that is, um, they're only... I know only one that is alive, that is a live sheikh, and they are alive to it. Who's my sheikh? I'm very lucky and blessed to call him mine. Um, you know him, and he guides you to the Prophet's souls. So your soul, he helps you to cleanse your soul. He gives you dhikr. He gives you what we call wirth, which is your daily prayers in the morning and night time. And um, once you get that, and you get to that level, and we do the, the weekly stuff, you get to that level, and it takes a lot of work to get there. It's not something that you do in a month, on a week, or three days. It's work. It's a lot of work. It's a dedication. And when you get to that, you, the sheikh, will introduce you to the prophet from a soul perspective. So that's the first step. Initiation into the alignment path. You get to that. But to get to that first, you have to have 
this has to be clean and you have to be on the level because then you're getting what wisdom right we talk about wisdom wisdom the wisdom of the east the wisdom when it does the first step once you get to the prophet peace be upon him the prophet then will introduce you to god right we call it hadra like like where he introduces you to god right and you will that's from a soul perspective and then God, then I when he get to very comfortable. Some people they say in in ahadiyah. Uh, sorry, we call it ahadiyah. Some people they say the ahadiyah forever. And you see them if you go to any Sufi shrine, you see some people they act like they are they are very um, we call them um, they are very um, like artists. They don't think artists. They like they act. They are they they, they are they are divine. You can tell they're divine, but they are, they think they are crazy, but they're not. They are in touch on constant touching God. They got to that level and they stayed there. God did not send them back to Maqam and Muhammadi. Maqam Muhammadi is when you sit with the Prophet and you have a conversation with him on a daily basis. That's where it's the, the third degree, the third step that you get to it. Um, a lot of people, they, a lot of, a lot of people, they stay in Maqam and Muhammadi, with God only. Um, if you, I want to, I want to tie it back a little bit to Kabbalah because it's a very known thing in the Kabbalah. Kabbalah teachings, you have when you get to the Holy of Holies, right? In King Solomon's Temple, right? The Holy of Holies, Holy of Holies was known to what? To have that direct connection with God. That's what we call that direct. That's what the Holy of Holies. You get to the first chamber, it was your enlightenment path. But in the Holy of Holies, you had the direct connection from a soul perspective to God. And that's what we call Al-Maqam, what we call a hadith. Yeah, hadith, like we are with God. You're with the, the only one, with God. So that is a correlation from understanding from that perspective. So you can see how those two, and it, those two, and tells you also why. King Solomon's temple, it's very important in enlightenment. We can touch about that here in a second. Go ahead, so, so Mehdi, then, do you, is it possible to achieve that third step in this lifetime? You can. There are a lot of people do. Okay. A lot of people, they, they, there are some people that, yeah, they can, they, they do. That's why, for example, a lot of people do when they reach that level of enlightenment, the three steps, if they don't, go back to sit down with the prophet they stay like those only with god they're only with god and they there's no life no superfluity is nothing you feel like they're only living with god mm -hmm. so it's it's a it's a it's a spiritual thing it's not a you don't see with your own eyes you don't see god you feel god you know you have that direct connection keep in mind uh, nobody was ever able to see god except prophet moses who he saw only a little bit of the light of god and he could not see it even the prophet muhammad when he was raised and we can talk about that enlightenment journey he didn't see god he talked to god but he did not see him right um uh he, the, nobody ever saw god in the islamic teachings except prophet moses but he saw only small of light of god Makes sense. Like he just, he could not handle him. He was like, I want to see you. He's like, I'm only going to be able to, to see me. You cannot handle me. So just, he saw this little bit of God. I'm talking from Islamic teachings. In Christianity, people saw Jesus and 
people believe Jesus was God. So that's a different yeah, I mean, going back to your Holy of Holies and, and Solomon's Temple, which which I liked how you talked about that, you bring that all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, right? Because we, and and I guess we don't talk about it in in, in our faiths enough, but we got to remember that the Holy of Holies was, the Jewish people believed God was there. That was his physical, I'm sorry, her physical presence on earth. And it had a name. It was the Shekinah, right? And the Shekinah, going all the way back to the beginning of what you said, that was the feminine presence. That was the Shekinah was was feminine in nature, right? So, um, you know, that kind of dovetails really nicely into what you were starting to talk about at the beginning of this. Well, this is where you got to find a lot of contradictory things. It got is God feminine or masculine? And that's a different subject because for or both. He's or, both. Yes, that's, that's the answer. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get there. Just hold on. I'm getting there. But what we're gonna say we're is reading ahead again. Again, he's Yeah, yeah. yeah. we don't have six hours, Mehdi. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. But get I was there, saying, let's go. Yeah, All right, let's God, go. I got, God, what I'm saying is, <laughs> if God was a feminine, why I have as a man, I have His Holy Spirit, and if God was a masculine, why as a woman? She has his Holy Spirit. So, like, there's a very, there's a lot. I'm just talking for just from physicality perspective, just like being a man or a woman. So that's a question. And that's a lot of, there's a lot of analysis from that perspective. But at the end, we talk about the presence of God, right? You feel the presence of God. And there are other things we can feel presence of God. But we, there, we have uh, other, from that perspective. But King Psalm's Temple is a key thing. Today's word, King Psalm's Temple, before, before, Mecca was the first Qibla. King Solomon's temple, when he was in ruins, it was the Qibla of the Muslim. Okay? So before, when he was in ruins, right? It was the first Qibla of the Muslim. Qibla is where we face to pray. Then, after, after, uh, I need to hide this because I'm getting distracted, sorry. <laughs> after, after These aren't when, the comments you're looking for. Yeah, we noticed that 46 minutes ago. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We started the comment I was going to say, but uh, what, uh, what, what happened is in the, in the age of Khalifa Omar, when Khalid bin Walid uh, went and took over Jerusalem with uh, the whole, as a, as a, and that Omar, may God be uh, blessed with, his, with him, um, may he he went and asked where the Jews where's the King Solomon's temple right and he showed him and he built the Aqsa a lot of people they think the Aqsa is a rock dumb rock no it's not that's not the Aqsa the Aqsa is a different one as a matter of fact I don't have a picture that I can put out to, to make you the, the to see the difference between the Aqsa the real the Aqsa what it is and the um and the uh, the kings the the king's own temple, and it, this will definitely show you this whole connection with enlightenment, and also will help us will help uh, define. Sorry, I'm trying to pull this. I do have it. If I can share it, uh, no, no, no. Okay, Laksa is. Al-Aqsa is a um, 
Al-Aqsa is the mosque on the or if you look at the dome, rock of the dome, there's another mosque here. And that's Al-Aqsa. That's literally that's what it is. And that that's where, where the Muslim were. If you look at where the Aqsa is, on the right of it is what? It sits on top of what? The wedding wall. The Aqsa sits on the wedding wall. So it sits on King Solomon's temple for the Jews. I mean, from Jews' perspective. I have a picture if I can show the picture, please. Do you mind if I show the picture so I can make total sense? Go right ahead. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know how to do it? Um, I don't know how to do it. All right. <laughs> hey, is that the oh, that's fine. I, I can on Facebook Messenger? Yeah, send us a link or something. We'll post it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and if we don't have time in the rest of the show, we'll make sure it goes up on the Patreon and the Knights and Squires. There we go. All right. So we got the Dome of the Rock. Nope. That's, not, that's not what I want to share. Do you want to share? Well, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm vamping while you send things over the internet. Don't give away our trade secrets, John. Yes. So here's a shiny okay. object to look at. While you get you can see yes, right. there we go. There we go. Okay. There we go. This is the dome of the rock, right? Like mm-hmm. this is the mm-hmm. this is the way it won't. So you can see this is the first pillar. This is and the axa is where if you look at the Isra al Maraj, where the Prophet, peace be, peace be upon him, went and meet God and all of the prophets through his enlightened path. So Isra, he went from Mecca to Jerusalem. So he went from Mecca where he lived to Jerusalem, which is Isra. Al Maraj, which is ascending to the heavens, he went from Laksa, from this spot. As a matter of fact, he tied the Borak, which is, the Borak is a unicorn. It's, it's a horse with a ponytail, with, with uh, it's a white horse with, with, it's a unicorn. It literally represents a unicorn. He tied it right here, and then he was ascending from here. A lot of people explain this as an enlightened journey. It was an enlightened journey. The soul was raised because actually he prayed with every single prophet here. There are, there are people that, uh, that there are people like, um, uh, like Shadley, Ahmed Shadley, which is a lot of Christian mysticisms learned from him from that perspective. When he walked into the Aqsa, he had a ru'ya, he had a vision where he saw the prophet and he saw Moses and he saw Jesus sitting down and having a conversation. And they had, he, he, he did saw about Jezuli, which is another uh, Sufi mysticist. So, Laksa is a very key pillar in the Islam and also in Sufism because it's the where we as Muslims were thought it was the ascending to the heavens. He could have ascended everywhere in the world, but he went to this, to the Aqsa, the King Solomon's temple, where he ascended because that's the only way from that we were thought is the connections to the heavens. So go back to your point, Joe. They feel the presence of God. Yes, they do, because that's where God has been ascending 
matter of fact, Muslims, they don't believe that King Solomon's Temple was built in King Solomon's Temple. King Solomon's Temple was built 40 years after Mecca was built by Jacob, by Prophet Jacob. So King Solomon's Temple, uh, King Solomon built it um, by because King David was ordered to build it. King David is the one that saw an angel on top of the mountain, mountain and from the Christian, uh, from, from the Bible in, in the Quran, King David was ordered to build it. He purchased the land and then King Solomon's temple finished the building of the King of the temple, King Solomon's temple. So King Solomon's temple is a very key in every enlightenment path. Uh, currently, uh, Kabbalists believe they could not, they can't touch the enlightenment anymore until the rebuild of King Solomon's temple, which is a key thing for them. Holies and holies. Um, we Muslims believe people that walk in there, the Sufis that have reached the divine enlightened path, they get there and they feel, they see things. What we call they see things that are beyond the veil of appearances, and they see into that 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 enlightenment where they see uh, spirits and they see this connections with the whole souls out there. So, so with that being said, I'll stop sharing. Um, that being said, King Solomon's Temple, it's a great figure in also in Sufism, not only in Freemasonry or uh, Kabbalah from a Jewish perspective or Judaism in general. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is that part of this too is to emulate the spiritual journey of the prophet. Um, by going through the, these three levels of ascension? No. Okay. Spirit of the prophet. No. You get to that alignment path is to get to that in touch with the prophet. Because the prophet's soul is not died, it's still there. That alignment journey in the King's Almost Temple is all telling you how it's a, the connection with God to the heavens, not through alignments, and the connection to the heavens. That's the only place we were taught where the prophet was ascending to the heavens and he went with Gabriel to ascend to him. His soul went to Gabriel. So we're not, let's go back why it's so important, why it's a key place where Joe was mentioning where there was the Holy of Holies had God's presence because we're thought it's the connection to the heavens. So probably that's a good point. That's a really good good point. As Jose so, says, so he had to go to the temple because he needed to be near the original Holy of Holies to ascend. Probably that's the Holy of Holies. It's the place where there's a true connection to God. We are not as Muslims thought that. This is Muslims, not Sufism, Muslims in general. We're not as Muslims that the Holy of Holies without it's the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And back then it was not a mosque, it was the rooms of the King Solomon's temple. Mm. But as a Muslim, we believe in King Solomon's Temple rebuilt the, the house. The first house was built by Prophet Jacob. Uh, 5, 000, 40 years after the Kaaba, Kaaba was built about 5,000 years ago. So it was 40 years after the built of Kaaba. So. And then it was found in 1938 by Indiana Jones, and it melted all the Nazis' faces off. Boom. Funny enough, but Joey, that's a good point you mentioned. When was the Whaling War found? When was it found? Yeah. Uh, when they excavated Jerusalem, <laughs> in seventy, like it was in the probably in seventeen hundreds, right? When it was found, seventeen. I'm not sure. I'll need to look that up. 
Yeah, but when was found around that time? Because it was just a doll. So Ooh. it was a moose. There was no way more. Yeah. Mo! Brother yeah, Mo! Right, Brother Mo! It was the first Kaaba, as I mentioned. So the first Kaaba, the first Qibla. The first Qibla was King Salman's temple before. And the reason, and and how it became the Kaaba, because they took all of the, the, the gods of Quraysh, the whole gods that were stones, they took them out, and then they switched that. But then the first Kaaba was the, the runes of King Salman's temple. So just... Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. All right. So now I'm going to but ask you, you, I'm asking more of a personal question then. So since you practice and since you're, you're, you're really into that, that style and you see the connection between uh, your practice and your, your Freemasonry practice personally, like, what do you get out of it? What, what, um, what is your, what has been your personal experience? Not, not the, not the history, not the, not the textbook answer, but what is, what does Medi get out of it? So what Freemasonry or Sufism? Sufism is Sufism in particular. Okay, I will tell you both. That we can like show you both. So very diplomatic answer. Good. No, because like it's good to 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 teach you or to say both. What I get both of them is a renewal of energy. I'm a very key. I actually have a presentation that talks about the the sacred meetings in Freemasonry. Everybody goes to it, and you feel like you are you coming out with fresh of energy because um, your what, energy what you, faded meetings are you going to buddy the one that you make presentation in oh, yeah manassa lodge state that's right exactly oh you should come to patriot lodge as well we have amazing or ashman starting as well so those are great lodges you can go to them and they are very uh they renew energy but they do renew energy it's you feel like a lot of people it's like to ask so many people because i was like i'm the only one but it does renew energy sufis is the same thing it's an energy renewal because in the in the Quran, God says, Allah be isn't it with the with keeping the reputation of the word God dikrilai, he's saying Allah, 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 which is um Allah's mean God in Arabic. The Christians in Christians, Arabs, they pray to Allah as well, just FYI. So Allah it's not the gods of the Muslims, Allah is just God, God of Abraham. Um Allah, uh, you keep saying that word, it makes your heart comes at peace. There is no God but God. Mm -hmm. No, no, not ilaha illallah. I say just Allah. Mm -hmm. with Allah, 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 Allah. Just say only Allah. Not la ilaha illallah, which is no God by God, but just Allah. Just God, God. But it's the word Allah. Science it, it becomes, you know, essentially, uh, essentially like a meditation, meditation mantra, right? There are two things to it. The thong, how it hits the upper of your mouth, that's touch it is it touch the brains and it touch some nerves that are actually works with your whole body system. That's one. Two, the frequency that comes out of the word Allah. Because we have thought that music can come to the soul. The frequency that comes out from the word Allah from your mouth also helps through your veins, helps calm your soul. So there's a lot of things. And this is where Think we're taught as Muslim. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, peace be upon him, did not have any miracles except the Quran. But the Quran, it's has science, has philosophy, has astronomy. Astronomy is created by Arabs from where? From the Quran. Like literally, the, they took it. The, the whole astro astronomy came from Muslims. Bomb. Let's the not Quran. forget alchemy. 
Right. I don't. I don't want to get to alchemy because it's very mysticisms right now, and people start talking about alchemy from Mrs. perspective. So I don't want to even get there because I want to open cans. That I want to. That we're not gonna have enough time to close, right? <laughs> kind of warm, so not, so we, we, never, we never two. have enough time for you to focus, Maddie. Yeah, but, we really yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I want to go back to the the teachings. Is teaches is that the um, the Quran. But one thing also, the Quran. There's some verses and chapters in the Quran that are meant for different reasons. Like, for example, uh, one of my favorite is uh, the chapter Taha, uh, this, uh, which is one of the name of the Prophet. It's a stress relieving chapter. When I read it, I really feel like I did get the stress. So what do I get out of, of, of Sufis and myself is I get a self-awareness, a cleanse of energy, a, um, a humbleness, that I am just a small human figure in a bigger space and also a more divine soul, like where I get back to my divineness. Um, ego, it's a very common thing. I mean, if you, if you, if we go back to Freud's teachings, right, there is the ID, the, the ego and the super ego, right? The three stages of human being, but ego is part of two of those, right? So there are two of them are all ego driven and that's Freud's teaching from a psychological perspective. So ego is very hard to come to fight with and Sufism does help you with that. Breaking bread with brothers as a fellowship in Freemasonry helps me with that. There's a lot of things that are very common in those two that each one of them helps from that perspective and that balance I have between the two and I'm just talking about Blue Sated which is my favorite thing is Blue Lodge. Blue Lodge and Sufism, the two combination does and my daily prayers and so forth keeps my divine going on because i feel you have to be physically fed mentally fed and also really spiritually fed and fit you have to be prepared to be fit in that perspective so that's the three combinations and sufism and freemasonry give me that nice that's a that's an awesome love it summary it's an awesome way to kind of put a pause on the conversation because I'm sure we could go lots of different varieties of different ways as well. Um, Do another hey, long form, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh, there's so many ways we could go with this, but um, Brother Mehdi, uh, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your experience and sharing kind of the the overview yeah. of the the connection to the divine, right, that, that you you live for and, and that you bring with you wherever wherever you go including including the lodge experience so let's uh let's start uh bringing it around as jose says <laughs> ego super ego, and, lodge ego. And, and grand ego yes exactly mm. um let's start with rj and we'll we'll take it home and uh yeah do final thoughts go ahead final thoughts are that I have like a much more in-depth appreciation, <clears throat> excuse me, of Sufism. Um, and I didn't, I didn't always uh, th think about it in the way that, you know, we learned about it tonight, that uh, Sufism is a, a sect of, uh, or a practice of Muslims, right? It's not, you know, not all, uh, I think somebody put it in the chat, right? They said, uh, uh, all Sufists are Muslim, not all Muslim are Sufists. Um, so that was really awesome to like kind of confirm, uh, some of 
the things that have been out there, lingering questions that I know I should just like get up and reread something. Um, but Mehdi, having you on tonight was awesome. I know these guys gave you uh, a little bit of a hard time, you know, about having a you know time and, and all of these things. But I thought you were uh, really great. Um, I, you spoke very well about all of these things and. Actually, the thing I appreciate the most is when we reiterated something back, you were able to correct us even still, which a lot of times doesn't happen, right? People just go, oh, yeah, because they don't want to, you know, uh, continue that, you know, vein of thought or whatever. But I really appreciate everything you brought. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah, RJ. That's nice. That's good. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks, RJ. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Thanks, RJ. Jason. Um, <clears throat> man, this is, I was, uh, telling the guys in, in our chat, that this is very, very easily and very quickly become one of my all time favorite episodes, uh, that we've done, uh, brother, you've been so insightful and so willing to bring us along, not only on, on the journey, but on your journey. And I think, um, the way you have, you know, brought us through, you know, your path of, of initiation, um, into, you know, greater communion with, uh, with the divine is really, really exciting. Um, so I just, I, I'm blown away and I, I just really appreciate you being willing to, to come on and, and just share with all of us, um, just a little glimpse into, you know, what, what, you know, relationship and communion with the divine means to you and how Freemasonry, you know, augments and complements that. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you, Jason. John called me beautiful. You are. Oh, it's, it's on record. Joe. Yes. Uh, Matty. Fantastic job, man. Uh, knew you were going to do great. Um, and I'm going to echo what Jason had said. Thank you for sharing your personal journey with us. You could have come and just, you know, given us the BS Wikipedia answers. But to 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 Jason's point, you shared with us your journey, which I thought, number one, was amazing. And number two, was very insightful. And, um, you know, I've, I've known you for years, but uh, I, you know, there's definitely some things you said tonight that, um, I've never heard before. So thank you for sharing a part of yourself with, with not just us, but everybody here on the interwebs. Um, always good to be around you, uh, and, uh, love you and good luck in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, man. Yeah. Love you too. Love so what's coming up in, in a couple of weeks? Um, <laughs> over to you, Mehdi. Uh, and, I, and while you talk, I'm going to throw a couple of special shout outs and thank yous from the comments. Don't get distracted. But right. this, is, this is your time Focus, to now just, uh, have your have your final thoughts and and, uh, and see some appreciation from the chat. Oh, um, thank you so much, guys, for having me. Uh, it's great to share my journey um, as a Freemason, as a Sufist. Um, it's good to tie things back together. Um, there's a very misconception about um, Sufi, about Freemasonry as well, on uh, how it's only was Christian driven or it's 
because there is no religion to the to the to to be divine uh, i mean um I, I, I tell that to everybody when somebody cries to god and god answers his question no matter what your religion you are your heart is in touch with god at that time so that's my philosophy in religion that's how i see because we're taught as muslims god is the closest thing to you and is as abrahamic religion believers we completely thought that we are, have god part of god inside of us so i always see things differently than others i always have great conversation with joe and with john and, and so forth about mysticisms and things of a kind and other people in in the, our fraternity but i'm happy to that i was part of the show and shared my how i see the connections and how i see just some fundamental connections between the two and how the craft has exposed these connections and so forth so uh, thank you guys for having me and i'm glad that you guys enjoyed my 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 thoughts and opinions and shared some of your feedbacks and as uh, rj said i'm glad you guys gave me hard time about the time because yes i do go on the time so <laughs> no and uh it's it's because we love you man that's uh thank you it's it's easy to do uh because because we know you so well and that uh you are a wealth of information we could talk about this for hours and hours and we have like you you know we we've had conversations after lodge we've had conversations you know in in uh, cafes in alexandria virginia uh, about the spiritual connection that we have with our own individual faiths the similarities of the paths to enlightenment and just the ascension that we have and the, how we're trying to not only better ourselves but better ourselves in the face of our creator and that's again something that um i'm always fascinated by because the more we we go into the details of our specific paths and journeys <laughs> there's a casual smib out there for all the love <laughs> that's, that's a throwback gary good 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 call joe's wearing the shirt tonight oh what, what shirt let me see the shirt casual smib <laughs> so yes um ah, but yes don't uh, thank die. You very, very thank you very much uh, brother Medi, for coming on uh we need yeah we need to go deeper so um good luck in a couple weeks and uh, and thank you for the conversation tonight and i want to thank everyone else for tuning in and watching and have a good night keep searching for more light have a good night Rejected. Denied. Keep searching for more light.